The road along which a teenager travels has traps on either side. Dad? Dad, slow down. I, I can't see. Well, I know you can. Dad, are you sure this blindfold doesn't come off? What traps? Huh? Where? Hey, hey, Dad. I'm gonna let go for a second. I'll be okay. Don't worry. I'm just going right over here. Just, just going over. See? See, I'm fine. There. See? Nothing happened. I didn't hit any traps. Huh? Where am I going? Just out. Dad, I know. I still have the blindfold on, and you've been down this. I know, I know. Bye. <laughs> Dad? Ouch. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the executive director of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. The road to adolescence is paved with deadly traps. Stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Monday edition of our broadcast, Another Teenager in the Snare. You heard the sound of it snapping shut around him. Yeah, and did you hear that uh, that cry? Hey, Dad, <laughs> have you ever done that? I, I've, I've been off in some of those snares as I uh, wandered my way through adolescence. That's right, and uh, I've cried out, and and sometimes I've been too far away from home, Bob. Yeah, that's yeah, right. And uh, it's, it's a serious matter, though. We're laughing about it. These snares that are in existence today for teenagers are all too real and all too dangerous. We're going to be talking this week about some of the deadlier snares that are laid for our teenagers in our culture today. And this is material that comes out of a book that you and your wife, Barbara, have written. In fact, Barbara's in the studio with us. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Bob. The name of the book is... Oh, no, you've got to do more than that, Bob. <laughs> I mean, she is denying all types of motherly and wifely duties to be in here, and I just feel like... That's right. We're glad you're along. Our listeners are glad you're yeah, along. Back by popular demand, you know, we were having dinner last night with a couple, and they said, you know, we really like it when Barbara mm -hmm. is on the broadcast. And and I really appreciate, too, and I know Barbara does, that you have offered, Dennis, to do a lot of the laundry and a lot of the yeah. dishes as a result dinner. of Barbara. Dinner's the big thing. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about things that come out of a book that the two of you have written. It's entitled Parenting Today's adolescent, and and remind us of what are the big concepts that parents need to be aware of as we go through the process of raising our children. Well, the book is, is really built around three underlying assumptions, and the first one is so important. In fact, uh, over the next few days, the listeners are going to hear us over and over again pound the table <laughs> about being relationally involved in our children's lives, mm -hmm. not merely being at their events, not just going with them, but having our hearts connected soul to soul. Barbara, if you don't have the relationship in place you're really headed for some turbulent waters as you head into adolescence, aren't you? Yeah, because it's so easy for our teenagers to get involved in myriads of activities, just 
thing after thing after thing, and, and they're after school at practices, and they're going to ball games at night, and they're getting up early to do things, and you just don't see them anymore. And unless you've got connecting points, unless you're pursuing that teenager and asking questions constantly, where are you going, what are you doing, what's happening in your life, who are you hanging out with, and pursuing that child to get to know that child mm-hmm. and stay after it, you're going to end up going your separate ways. Yeah, in fact, last night, uh, Barbara and I were both up late with a teenager on our bed, and it was fascinating because we were having a discussion around one of these traps mm-hmm. that gets an adolescent. It's the trap of deceit. And our daughter was um, was on the edge of the bed down near one corner, and I, I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, you need to understand that it's not you in one corner of life and us in the other corner and that we as your parents are adversaries. Mm-hmm. We are in your corner and we're fighting for you, and we want to keep you out of these deadly traps that are going to get teenagers. And I just need you to understand that as parents, the reason we love you and are going to battle for you is because we want to save you from the pain that we just heard at the beginning of the broadcast mm-hmm. of that teenager walking off into that trap. Right. And I said to that teenage daughter, do you understand what we're saying? We're really pulling for you. We're not against you. And finally, all too late last night, <laughs> she nodded her head and said, yes, Daddy. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was an acknowledgment that only came about after a 30-minute conversation, Bob, that the easiest thing to have done would have been to have gone to sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of us just, yeah, just were dead off. on our feet. Mm-hmm. We were whipped. But it was one of those magical moments that God orchestrates where if you don't fight it through and go ahead and love that child and stay relationally connected, you're going to miss a phenomenal teaching opportunity with that child. And that yes, daddy, was a resignation that uh, I know this is true intellectually, but boy, it doesn't always feel like we're in the same corner and you're fighting for me. No, it doesn't, but uh, we got to hang in there. A second assumption that we think every parent of a preteen or a teen needs to have today as they raise these adolescents to maturity is that they've got to have their own convictions. They need to know what their values are, what they believe, and then they need to know how to build those convictions that they possess as parents Mm -hmm. into the life of the child. And that means you have to shape those convictions in the soul of that child and then end up testing those convictions over the next six, seven years, all the way through adolescence. That's really, Barbara, at the heart of what we're doing as parents with adolescent children. We are transferring convictions to them, helping Mm -hmm. them establish a bedrock of core convictions. Mm -hmm. And if parents don't know what they believe to start with, it is so easy to be blindsided by all the choices that our kids face. And if you haven't thought through what you're going to do about this or about that, all of a sudden the kid comes home and says, can I go do this? And and, and parents are so caught off guard that they kind of cave and go, well, I guess. And then later on they may go, well, that wasn't such a great idea, but... But now all of a sudden a precedent has been set. That's yeah. right. That's right. And, and when the doctor handed us a little baby by the name of Ashley back in 1974, the doctor didn't say to us, you know, Dennis, Barbara, you better establish a few convictions because this child is going to need boundaries. Mm-hmm. This child is going to need fences around her life to protect her from evil, but also to give her a chance to formulate her own beliefs and her own convictions before she leaves the the yard, moves out through the gate 
to the big bad world out there. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the whole process of pre-adolescence and adolescence is one long process of taking our convictions that we've come to and implanting them in our children, watering them, nourishing them, cheering them on, picking them up when they fail, and then sending them out finally to the world to have those convictions have an impact on a world that desperately needs to see men and women today who stand for something, who have boundaries in their lives, and who are standing upon the Word of God. That really takes courage on the part of parents. Yeah, and that's the third thing that parents need to have today, and and I hope this book can literally reach through its pages to the hearts and heavy hands of, of parents and say to you, you know what, it can be done. You can do it. With the strength that God supplies, with the truth in His Word, with the Holy Spirit guiding you, you as a parent can raise a teenager that has the courage to stand for his convictions, for for her beliefs, for his values, and they can have a sense of a spiritual mission about their lives that will carry them through some early years of adulthood and on into maturity when they establish their own homes. Barbara, one of the things as I read through the book that I kept reminding myself and highlighting were the parts where you and Dennis say, remember, you're the parent. You have not only the right, but the responsibility to do these things. Why is it as parents that we lose sight of that and forget that we're in charge and we can say yes and no, and you got to live with that? I don't know exactly why it is, but it is so true. <laughs> it's it real, is isn't it? Very, very true. Yeah. And I think part of it is is that we I think deep down inside wish it were not so hard. I think we wish that we could teach our kids a principle or a lesson and have them learn it <laughs> and be done with it mm-hmm. and not have to reteach the same thing over and over and over. And I think it's that weariness that we begin to feel after three or four years into the process thinking, my gosh, are they going to ever get it? Are they going to ever understand? Am I not making sense? What What's the problem here? And after a while, we just get battle weary because it is a struggle. I think there's something about the human spirit that wears down. And that's why a, a good bit of the New Testament is directed to our hearts to give us courage and and not lose heart. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 is is I think just a great verse for every parent. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Mm-hmm. Bob, I think it's so easy for parents today to give up. The number of traps that our teenagers face, the swift current of the culture, the lack of support in the community for people who hold to any kind of convictions. I mean, you're, you're looked upon as weird mm-hmm. if you have any kind of, of statement of belief today. And yet that's what teenagers desperately need. And they need it from parents who have not grown weary in well-doing. We've got five kids, only two who have uh, moved into adolescence we're already weary. You've had three already <laughs> passed through. How do you keep from getting weary? Well, I don't think you can prevent getting weary. I mean, I've been weary the last few days because I'm looking at our kids and thinking, I don't think they're getting it. Hmm. Well, I, I'm not sure we're communicating right. And, and it's that um, feeling like a failure as a parent that wears you down because you know what you want in the end. You know hmm. what the goal is. But sometimes you're not so sure how to get there. And so the process, that that race that we're running, is a long one, and I just think it wears us down. And and the only solution is is to just take some time and 
get away and remind ourselves of what the truth is and that God is for us and that if we'll continue to seek him and trust and pray, I'm praying more than I've ever prayed in my life for my kids. Yeah, and this is where I just want to reach out and hug the single parent because, man, I don't know how that single parent dad or mom do it. I have no idea how they can bear the brunt of the discouraging moments when they occur and not have someone to turn to Mm -hmm. because a lot of how we handle that weariness, and I think it's inherent with, uh, with being a mom. I think mothers may suffer more from losing heart than dads because dads tend to define their lives around what they do and, and out in the marketplace more. Their family is a part of what they're doing. For a, a wife and a mother, her heart was made by God, created by him to be a nurturer, to be successful in that home. And when those children aren't doing well, Barbara suffers. She languishes. It pulls her down. And mm-hmm. it, it's why as a husband, I've got to come alongside her and I got to first of all say, you know what? It's okay. As Barbara said, it's okay to feel weary. We're not always going to be winning. But this process that Barbara is speaking of here, I will remind her from time to time, we're in a cross-country race. And there are going to be times when it looks like you're losing you can't get your head down. you got to keep the finish line in mind out there. Keep running to win, enduring, persevering, teaching, and doing what's right, and not living your life based upon your feelings. The Scripture is the truth. And, Bob, I think so many times in the Christian life where we get off track is when we start believing our feelings and base our lives upon how we feel. And I'm going to tell you something. If I did that as a way of life, I would have uh, resigned as a parent <laughs> years ago, and someone else would be raising this crew. They uh-huh. wouldn't have Dennis and Barbara Rainey uh-huh. as their parents because it's simply too discouraging mm-hmm. at times. But you keep the finish line in mind, you keep persevering, and you trust that the God of the universe who created this thing called Christian family, that he is going to put it in the soul of a child. He's going to grow them up and cause them to mature into adult people who are responsible. Mm -hmm. This this week, we're going to look at seven of the 14 traps that the two of you have outlined in your book. And these seven are probably the more obvious and in some cases, the more dangerous or the more deadly traps that are laid for our teenagers. And the first one we're going to be looking at this week is the trap of peer pressure, which is something that all of us face, whether we're adolescents or adults. It's it's really it's a challenge for all people, isn't it? First Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, "Bad company corrupts good morals." That's true whether you're twelve, twenty two, or fifty two. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. And as parents, what we've got to do is we have to anticipate that the teenage years are the most peer dependent period in any person's life, and we have to be there alongside our child, guiding them around these traps so that the enemy of their souls does not ensnare them into evil. Barbara, one of the big traps that parents are uh, acutely aware of, particularly in this culture, is the trap of uh, premarital sexual involvement. Yeah, Bob, it's because it's so prevalent in our culture, and we see it everywhere, and we know about kids everywhere who are who are experimenting in this area. And I think parents are very aware of this trap and they're scared to death. And as a result, we need to really think through what do we believe? What are we going to do about this with our kids? What are our standards going to be? How are we going to teach our kids to avoid this trap? Because mm-hmm. we know it's deadly. First mm-hmm. Thessalonians chapter 4 says, abstain from sexual immorality. 
period. And as parents, we are to guide our children around this snare, helping them stay out and away from any form of sexual immorality. And frankly, these are some of the most controversial chapters in the entire book, Bob, because we challenge parents to decide what do you believe about sex prior to marriage And if your child comes and asks you a question, how will you draw the line for him Mm. or for her? Most parents are not ready for that. And so as a result, we fall back 10 yards and we punt Mm -hmm. and we provide them with no answer. Mm -hmm. And we leave them to the world to establish their boundaries. You see a lot of Christian parents, Barbara, thinking... Our kids are good kids. They're just not Mm going to fall into that kind of stuff. Hmm. Oh, I think it's real easy to be uh, misled by that thinking because especially what happens is you start out with a sixth or seventh grader, and they do seem still very good and very innocent, but it is amazing how much they're exposed to in those early years of adolescence that begin to change their thinking and begin to put pressure on them in these areas, and parents aren't aware of it because they're not there with their kids. They're experiencing pressure not only externally, but they're experiencing internal pressure pressure as their own hormones are right. tugging on Kicking them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you, um, as we wrote this, I feel so strongly about this because in my opinion today, this is where we're losing our young people. Mm-hmm. When parents don't know what they believe around life's most fundamental drive, the sex drive, it's like if you can't define life around that, then will you define it around anything? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. And personally, nothing has caused us more agony and time with our teenagers than getting involved in this area, talking to them straight about their character, their choices, what they're going to do, what they're not going to do, challenging them to the highest standard. And nothing sounds stranger today in this culture than to be in this area with your teenager, tracking with them, involved with them, and cheering them on to purity and and a biblical word called holiness. Mm -hmm. That's our mandate as parents. I think one of the reasons why the Christian family has lost its distinctive today is we've forgotten that our North Star, that is our objective, where we're headed, is to be like Jesus Christ. And he's not half-holy. He's not half-hearted for God. He was wholehearted, Mm -hmm. and he was completely holy, and we are called to be like him, and I think we're called to raise our children to be like him. Barbara, right next to that huge bear trap of sexual immorality, there's another trap that's a little bit smaller, but it uh, kind of triggers the the second Mm -hmm. trap, and that's the trap of dating. Yeah, they're kind of in tandem. Mm -hmm. They kind of go together, and... They're often laid right next to each other, and you step in one and you're in the other one. The whole thing of dating is is such an issue with kids because it, it too, sneaks up on parents. Um, We tend to think that our kids can't date until they're old enough to drive or be out in a car. But the whole idea of pairing up, of girls and boys pairing up, Uh, and kind of becoming exclusive with one another and belonging to one another, all that starts sometimes in elementary school, but for sure in junior high. Mm, For sure. For sure. Mm. (laughs) You're nodding like you know. Yeah, for sure. Had a few phone calls at the Lapine house. Emails, few phone calls. There we go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. That's a knowing for sure. (laughs) Well, I think what parents need to be aware of is that they need to be tracking with their kids and being involved with their kids on this issue, too, because the, this pairing up business 
to the kids is serious. And what it is, it's a foot in the door to dating. And then it becomes a foot in the door to the sexual temptations because all of a sudden they're seeing all these other little couples at school mm-hmm. holding hands and hugging in the hall and maybe sitting on somebody's lap in the lunchroom or whatever. And that begins to look normal to our children mm-hmm. because that's where they are all day. And so they begin to think in their minds, well, there's nothing wrong with that. So-and-so does it. And Everybody else is doing it, and so they all of a sudden assume that standard for themselves unless they've been taught otherwise. And they think, I'm not normal if if I'm I'm not not doing it. it. And Dennis, Uh even if young people stay out of the trap of sexual immorality, the dating trap has some challenges of its own apart from the issue of sexual involvement. Yeah, exactly. The whole issue of romance is a biggie, and I'm just grateful for Barbara, who has been tracking on this one from the beginning with our children, really trying to protect them from developing this romanticized view of relationships that's so prevalent among teenagers. It's been said, puppy love may be puppy love, but it's real to the puppy. (laughs) That's right. And I'm telling you, to a teenager, that romantic view of life, they, they fall into that. And I'm telling you, they just they just want to be in love with it, being in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just some of that comes out of one of the other traps that you talk about. That's the trap of media, because we're constantly fed in the media mm-hmm. a diet of romance and sexual immorality. There's no doubt that the media strongly influences that whole concept of dating, because every movie has got a romantic line in it of some kind, whether it's the major theme in the movie or it's a small theme, it doesn't matter. It's in every movie that these kids see, and they've been seeing them since they were young. Mm -hmm. So this has kind of been building this whole idea of romance and being in love and having somebody that's my own. Uh, has been building in their thinking for years and years. It's in it's in every book. It's in every song they listen to. It's just, it's everywhere. And parents have got to have some, uh, some standards and convictions here, Dennis. They do, but I don't think the average parent realizes how many forms of media are invading their home and their family. I mean, when we were writing this chapter in the book, I chuckled out loud because there were so many distractions. I was working on the computer at home, and my teenagers all wanted to get in the computer to, to get their email. Mm-hmm. There was telephone. There was TV. There were movies. There was music. I mean, all these things were happening in our house, and I could hear it. And I was going, there is an amazing amount of media that is shaping and influencing my teenagers. Mm-hmm. And most parents are not proactive We're being overtaken by it, and we're in a defensive mode when it comes to all these forms of media. There are other traps that are laid for our kids that we're going to be talking about during this series. The trap of pornography, which is very real and growing because Mm of online opportunities. There's the trap of substance abuse, which continues to be a threat to young people today. And then there's a, a, a deadly trap that may be... Uh, off the radar screen for a lot of parents, but it's there. It's the trap of unresolved anger in our kids. We don't realize how important our relationship is with each of our teenagers. And if we don't train our teenager in how to resolve conflict as he experiences it, then that teenager uh, can be isolated from the people that love him the most and that can guide him through the most perilous period of his entire life. Most teenage boys are angry. Mm -hmm. They're just ticked off at the world. I don't understand what testosterone does to them, but I'm telling you, they just get ticked. And guess who bears the brunt of that anger? It's mom. Mm -hmm. And if mom's not careful, mom will get hurt 
Mom will get angry. She'll get in one corner. They'll get in the other corner. And instead of the parent being in the teenager's corner, they're coming out at the the ring of the bell, starting another round of arguing, of uh, words flying around. And uh, the very relationship that teen needs is not in place to protect him or to protect her. You know, I, I can't see our listeners but I imagine the number of heads nodding as we go through these issues. We all live with these very present issues daily as we're raising our kids. And it's hard not to become weary, as we talked about earlier in the broadcast. Uh, over the next few days, as we go through each of these issues, you're going to help us understand uh, how you have come to some of the convictions you've come to, what they are, and then how you've pressed those convictions toward your children. Each of these 14 traps that we talk about has a description of the problem. Then we share what our convictions are about this particular issue, like sex, like dating, like pornography, like media. And after we help the parent understand what our convictions are and how we came to them, then we come alongside the parent and equip that mom and dad to be able to shape those convictions that they hold into the life of their preteen and teenager so that when that teenager begins to face the issues around each of these traps, he already has some convictions that have begun to be shaped by the parent. Mm-hmm. 